0: Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. My name is Jeff Fuller. I've been breeding dogs for over 20 years and it is my passion. We love putting best friends in people's homes and selling them that dream. That dream of riding the truck next to you, running around the field on a hunt, or just being a best friend at your house. If you're looking for a high-quality Labrador Retriever puppy, please check our website out as www.soggyacres.com, or you can call me at 262-215-9683, or email me, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Remember, whether it's yellow, black, or chocolate, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Here at the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are all about the dogs. As our listeners, we want to thank you all for listening. We want to ask you a favor. Please give us a five-star rating. Give us a thumbs up. Share us with your friends. If you can't support us financially, go to Anchor Support and support us there. We are only as strong as our fans and your help that you give us where we are going to spread our love for dogs and dogs in the field. Please share it to your friends and family. Please help us grow. Thank you again so much for listening to us. God bless. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers, and I have a fun show in store for you today. I wanted to talk about the importance of obedience and your dog. I wanted to also talk about vaccinations and when you can have puppies around older dogs uh, once they are fully vaccinated, and then go over scouting in the off-season, something I am going to do this year once everything is froze up. So we can get right into it. I often get questioned by people where they ask what the most important training is for your dog and honestly that comes down to obedience. What many don't understand is that when you are working with a dog on hunting or uh, competition, handling all of those more complex items, you are still enforcing obedience and that mindset and that attitude that you've built teaching the dog about obedience throughout the entire course of your training. Dogs, in general, need to know black and white where things are. And they need to have a negative repercussion when they do something that's not wanted. And they need to have a positive. People fail because we don't have enough negative and positive. The negative is often... It doesn't have a harsh enough or a doesn't leave an impression on the dog. I don't I think harsh is a bad word, but doesn't leave an impression on the dog, which you want that impression to be. That sucks. I don't want that to happen again. But then at the same time, when the dog does positive, we just give the dog a good dog, which that's not enough either. You need to give a lot more with your body language, with your voice inflection. And when you look at training and you look at your obedience, you want to keep it so that about 10 to 20% of your correction or negative is 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 10 to 20 percent and then you want to have your positive be in that 80 to 90 percent so with positive that means that you're going to be giving commands to a dog and you're going to constantly be repeating them when they are doing them so you can tell the dog they're doing good pat them on the head use good voice voice inflection use good body language you're going to put them in a position where you're curbing their behavior it's it's modifying their behavior to use the willingness to please that they've been bred for if they're from a good program and have them so that they're picking that over a negative correction when you think of that i try to explain to my clients i'm like you know when you're thinking of your correction on your dog it's like a human baby reaching for a hot stove do we give them a cookie no, at least when I was when I was a kid and how I taught my kids, reach for hot a hot stove, you slap their hand. You have to slap it hard enough so that it, it creates a discomfort and the child says, wow, I never want that to happen again. Same thing with a dog. When I start with my obedience, I start dogs on a prong collar or a pinch collar as it's commonly called. I used to use the old choke chain and thought, well, that's so much more humane than the, the, the collar with all the prongs on it and honestly look back i look back on it and it wasn't humane to use the choke collar because of the fact that the choke collar didn't work when a prong collar is used properly it is putting the dog in a position where you are again creating that correction where the dog is thinking wow that really sucks i don't want that to happen again and that starts from when you're sitting that starts from when you're walking at heel When you are working with the dog, you are correcting them and again modifying their behavior so that they want that positive. They want you to tell them how great they're doing, good dog, and all that stuff. We want to make sure that we're doing that and we're consistent. Again, 80 to 90% positive, 10 to 20% negative, and work with the dog through all of their commands. What people don't understand is that you don't want to correct a dog or use a harsh uh, negative if the dog doesn't understand a command. When we're using negatives, it's when a dog does understand a command. It is telling a dog to sit and they sit. If they don't sit with a pinch collar, you're snapping up on it. You're creating that shock to them like, oh my gosh, that really hurt. When in, in essence it didn't. It's more of just the the, the, the shock of it and When I do my training as well, I also use my voice which I have a good loud voice I'll use it in when we did when I used to train in police work. We called it a verbal stun I'll use it as a verbal stun as well So if I'm telling a dog to sit it's not just sit and then correction It's if the dog didn't do it. It's sit and Giving them that loud booming voice so that they're kind of like oh crap it it gets their attention much like even with kids if you yell at your kid and you use a voice where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble, you can help modify the behavior. So even then, you don't have to correct as many times. But then at the same time, I talk to my clients about this. Men are great at having the booming voice, but they're terrible at having the softer, lighter voice that's giving that pleasing tone to the dog. So it's the good dog, good, good dog. So you're giving that voice inflection where it's not at that same tone. You're giving a little bit higher pitch, You're also going to be bending over slightly the waist, telling them good dog, patting them on the head. You're giving them the body language and the voice inflection for that positive. So keep that in mind. You're going 80 to 90% negative, 10 to 20% positive. Now, when I work with my dogs, I take dogs in for a three week program on obedience. I will actually work with them on healing first. Just, you know what, we're going to get out of the box, we're going to walk at heel. That's when I get dogs in for obedience. That's a struggle for them because they're obviously here because they're uh, they're they're not acting the way the owner wants. I don't necessarily have to even correct them with the with the pinch collar. I just hold tight on it so that when the dog lunges and jerks and and and, and tries to get away, it puts the pressure on themselves. The dog is smart enough to understand after one day when I do that. This really sucks because I am basically kicking my own rear end. But then the entire time, if that's happening, sometimes you'll have where the dogs really, they really are under duress. You don't have to yell at them if they're under duress. So part of it's reading the dog too, but telling them you're fine, you're fine, heel, good, heel. And then the dog's correcting himself. Now the next time later, if you're talking two or three three days beyond, then I'm adding that verbal, where I'm telling them, heal, no, and giving the voice inflection that is more of a, hey, this is what I want you to do. But that's because they're no longer testing the pinch collar. So it's, I guess, maybe I'm being kind of confusing here, but it's it's where you, you want to keep the correction at a certain level. You don't want it to be too far on one end on a negative, but you want it to be negative enough so that the dog is going, wow, that sucks. I don't want it to happen again. When you start out with a pinch collar and you work with the dog on sit, heel, and here, there are times that just the collar itself, there's no need to add that voice to add to the negative. And it puts them in a position where they're just like, wow, that really sucked. And I don't want that to happen again, again, which is what we want. But then when they do it, when they sit, how we get 80 90% positive, the dog is sitting, sit, the dog sits. Good dog, sit. Good dog, sit. Good. Good dog. Give that over and over and over again. So now the dogs thinking in their mind, wow, this is great when I do this. They really this really makes them pleased. I am pleasing my owner, pleasing my trainer. So that then you've got this huge vast difference between the negative and positive. There's no in between. From what I see with a lot of people struggle with training, there is not enough negative, not enough positive. There's They're right in the middle on both almost. And it creates a confusion in the dog because there's not enough difference. So if you can create a huge positive and a huge negative and have them a great distance apart, that really helps your dog. Then you work them on your healing while they're walking, they're sitting, and they're here. And those are the major commands that you need to work on prior to going on To Later training or if it's a pet just having so you have a dog that is a good citizen So I hope that helps. I wanted to give a little bit of insight. I had someone ask me uh, Through email to go over obedience. I hope I wasn't too confusing on it, but again, it is I work with them at heel walking I Have them sit and I always sit with have them sit right at heel and then I work them on here those are the commands that I work with on obedience dogs And again, reinforcing with the pinch collar, transitioning to an e-collar after I work with the pinch collar. So I go about ten a week and a half, 10 days with the pinch collar and then transition to the e-collar. And what I want to do is, the next episode, I want to talk about proper e-collar conditioning and how to use an e-collar and how to train with an e-collar. Because I don't want to get too long-winded on this one, but that... Puts you in a position where we've gone through our obedience on our pinch collar or prong collar and starting them out on the commands. And then next week, we're going to talk about reinforcing that with the e-collar. I had planned on talking about both of them, but in the spirit of keeping our episodes right around the same length, it's just it, not possible to do it all at once. So next time, next week, we'll talk about proper e-collar conditioning, introduction, and usage in the field And the different different models V-collars as far as what they have to offer on them and how they work. So we'll have that and more coming up next week. Now, next on today's episode, I wanted to talk about puppies and vaccinations. Here at Soggy Acres Retrievers, we send home a lot of puppies. And there's always something that we warn people about when they take their puppies home after they've had one series of shots. So we'll have all that and more coming up after this. For the last 10 years, I've bought all my vehicles from the Boucher Automotive Group in Janesville. If you want to get a great Ram truck or a great Ford truck, my son actually bought a used Chevy truck from them. They have fair prices, they have a knowledgeable, honest staff, and they really stand behind their products. You can go on their websites, frankboucherchrysler.net or gordyboucherford.com, and find out the inventory they have. Again, I know everyone's saying that it's so hard to find a vehicle. We've bought three vehicles this year during a time that, quote-unquote, you can't find them. They have what you need, and they're a great company to work with. Check out Boucher. They ride with you every mile. If you're a serious person about the outdoors, or you love shooting, or you just want a great hobby, or all of the above, you need to check out Mech Outdoors. From their shot shell and metallic reloading to their clay target machines, you will get a quality product that will give you so much more enthusiasm about your participation in the outdoors and also a great hobby that you can do with the whole family. Check out mechoutdoors.com for more. Welcome back to the show. We have a kennel called Sog Yacres Retrievers and we send home probably about 15 litters of Labrador Retriever puppies every year. We have a paperwork process where we sit and we go through things with people. We've been doing this for 20 years. We've we've got a pretty good system down in how we go about it. One of the things that we always try to make sure people understand is the danger of taking your puppies by other dogs, taking them to a rest stop in the dog area or taking them to a dog park prior to having all of their vaccination series done. It is Oh, it's very common where people get a puppy and everyone wants to run them around the neighborhood and show everyone the new baby. I get it. It's fun. But the one thing you have to realize is that until a puppy is through its series of shots that you get that start with the breeder and end up finished at about 16 weeks with your vet, the puppy does not have full vac- full immunization for what you're vaccinating for. So you're putting the puppy in a bad position where they could get sick and possibly die. You also have to finish all of these vaccinations so that you make sure that the puppy is properly immunized so that they can be out in the world. And again, it's something that I've had. I remember it was probably five years ago, I had a gentleman that called and his dog died of Parvo. very sad had gotten the puppy from us and he was upset with me because I didn't explain to him what parvo was when we talked further I'm like do you recall the fact that we told you you had to get your dog vaccinated and you had to get him to the vet within 72 hours and he said he just didn't think that vaccinations were that important after talking to the gentleman for a while just basically explained to him, like, they are important and you have to go through this. He also lived down south and it was explaining to him, once you have Parvo in your house, it's going to take a certain amount of time until it's not there. And it could be there for a long period of time. Now, I'm not a vet, so I can't give any advice on that. I do know having bred dogs, we will go through where our kennel Every year, both kennels, we will actually run them through a freeze cycle where we put bleach down and then open them up and let the cold freeze everything because cold and bleach kill. So kind of like a, a double uh, a double whammy for us so that we can make sure that we don't have long-lasting issues. Uh, as far as stuff, there's coccidia, there's giardia, there's all these different things that you can deal with when you have puppies and animals. So we make sure that we're putting our kennel through that so we don't have to deal with these things. When you are in an area that doesn't freeze, these things live in the soil. So that's why it's important when you have a puppy, you don't want to go to rest areas where they have the dog walking areas because there is a huge percentage of people that do not vaccinate their animals. If that is there and your puppy steps on a... A place where a dog went to the bathroom where there's parvo, and then somehow ingests that, or gets licks their foot, or steps in their food, however, or even puts it puts it in your in in into your vehicle, and then ultimately your home. You're looking at something that's very dangerous for your dog. So you want to avoid anywhere that has lots of animals when you are not through all your vaccination. Uh, vaccination series and you also want to make sure that you're not doing your puppy play dates and having other adult animals around your dog until you have them through all the shots so i hope that helps you where you make decisions when you've got a younger dog also i hope if people have where they've where they've lapsed on their vaccinations get your dog in get them through their shots if you're worried about over vaccinating Uh, I believe there's actually ways you can even test the immunity or the the antibodies in their blood so you can actually test stuff. But you want to make sure that you're going through these series and through these different things for the health of your animal. So that is it on this part of the show. Next up, I want to talk about the off-season and how we are going to go out and do some scouting on our properties and some different areas that we've hunted so that we have, I guess, a good idea next year of different spots we can try. We'll have all that and more coming up after this. I am going to be the first to admit that sometimes kennels are kind of unsightly in the house. My wife, for years, was telling me how we needed to find something that wasn't just a kennel, but a piece of furniture. She showed me DCT Kennels a long time ago, and we finally got with them, and we have partnered with them as a sponsor for Sporting Dog Adventures. DCT Kennels is more than a kennel, it's a piece of furniture. It is high-quality, American-made, and something you need as a focal point in your home. For more information, check out dctkennels.com. You will not be disappointed. The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. We all know that unexpected accidents can happen. That's why I partner with Trupanion's Breeder Support Program to send all of my puppies home from soggy acres retrievers, with an offer for Trepanion coverage. Learn more about Trepanion and sign up for their free breeder support program by visiting trepanion.com slash breeder. Be sure to tell them that Sporting Dog Adventure sent you. Welcome back to the show. My waterfall season is officially over. We have two properties that we own and we have a couple other places that we hunt. And I'm going to actually wait until everything is completely fro-solid this year because I want to go check a few areas that seemed to have birds. There were a couple of spots where I was watching birds drop in. I want to go and I want to see how big the area was that they were dropping into. And I also want to see if it would be possible for me to actually get in there and put a duck blind or actually just or or get in there and use marsh seats. So that's kind of my what my mission is for this year. The best time in Wisconsin to do your scouting, if it's not hunting season, honestly comes down to winter because everything's froze. So if you've got a marsh or a waterway that you normally hunt, again, if it's a river, you got to make sure you're safe. But if you've got somewhere that's got ample ice, you can go in and you can check and figure out, I guess, some strategy for next year. With GPS on our phone, GPS's, uh, handheld GPSs, we can also mark these spots. So that if you are going into an area that is public and it is something where you watch birds kind of working a certain spot and going in and no one was in there and no one was hunting them, you can maybe find yourself that needle in a haystack that most guys won't see because, especially like a marsh, we hunt a lot of marshes. It is so miserable trying to get around in them once it's not froze. But I have two spots where I watched uh, birds working. Where I watched him drop in and honestly, we were sitting there thinking, how big of an area could that be? That's like the 12th bird that just went in there. I can't think there's a big spot there, but I'm going to go in there. I'm going to check it and then I'm going to take a measurement on, I guess it'd be a measurement of suck. How much it would suck to have to get there if I just walked into there. But it'll be, it'll be something that will be a neat spot for next year to at least try once or twice and it'll be something that will be give me something to do. Get me out, get me some exercise, and scout a little bit just for spots. Again, this isn't scouting for new areas where I haven't hunted. This is more, I guess, fine-tuning some spots that I have where I'm looking and going, you know what, it would be really cool if I could get there and just see how feasible it is. So I hope that gives you guys some ideas for your off-season on stuff to do, as well as uh, a little bit of exercise for you this winter. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. We appreciate everyone that stops in and listens. If you can, give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, share us, follow us. Uh, if you want, you can go, go to Anchor Support and support the show financially. We have a love for dogs and hunting with dogs in the outdoors. It is growing. We're growing it with our podcast. We had our TV show where we reached so many people. And the podcast is growing leaps and bounds. It is humbling humbling to know that we are now one of the largest dog-related podcasts about hunting in the field that is out there. So again, thank you so much. Christmas is upcoming. Everyone have a wonderful holiday season. God bless. Sporting dog adventures run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.